Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us in this conversation. So thankful to be in relationship with you. We are excited today. We're going to be talking with you about your Enneagram map. This is a new companion resource to our coming book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. Uh, the subtitle of this is Guides for Each Type to Flourish in God's Love. So we're going to talk about that, uh, about my type, the Enneagram One today. Uh, so all of you ones and, and those of you who are in relationship with ones, you, you perk up your ears. But for whatever your, your personality type is, we're going to illustrate for you how the Enneagram map works and why it can be so helpful for you. Uh, so Christy, we recently watched uh, the movie A Man Called Otto with uh, Tom Hanks. It was on uh, one of our streaming services. And it was, it was a very interesting movie. Sad parts of it, but yet he overcame that in the end. But it's probably an Enneagram one, and I was seeing a lot of things that were like unhealthy and difficult and problematic and upsetting about the Enneagram one. And it was like, oh my gosh, am am I like that? Am I that perfectionistic? Am I that much of a rule keeper? Do I affect people like he's affecting them with his his grumpiness and policing things and nothing is ever good enough and all of his standards and it was like pretty difficult to watch. Well, thankfully, the answer is no. <laughs> you have done a lot of work and you've most importantly opened to the Spirit of God to grow in His grace. You've received God's grace and God's love and it's formed you and reformed you. So I'm grateful for that. But I understand and it was actually helpful. I appreciated you sharing as we were watching that that kind of the the ouch, oh, I relate a little bit too much to some of this. I can understand a little bit too much to some of, of his desires for things to be done right. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, obsessed about that, P- policing the neighborhood and who, who's driving in on the, the street they're not supposed to drive in on and uh, but people not putting the uh, garbage in the right recycle place and he's fixing it for him. <laughs> it's, it's like all over the place everywhere, arguing with the cashier because the, he wasn't being charged fairly and at, at the stores, so, so many different things. Well, it actually gave me a little bit more empathy for you watching that, especially the recycling part, because sometimes I see you go to our trash in our kitchen and move some things. And as as I saw him play that out and as you shared how you were relating it helped me to feel a little bit more empathy for you. Yeah, that that must be hard that I don't get it right every time <laughs> and you have to go behind me and, and fix it. And um, It just helped me to appreciate how gracious you are. You never shame me. You never make me feel bad. You never lecture me that I got it wrong. <laughs> so thank you for all of that. Well, I've learned with things like that, that it, it doesn't the environment matters, so recycling matters, but the little details don't really matter, and so it doesn't, it really doesn't upset me, but it, I do enjoy fixing it. So <laughs> I don't always do that, but, but in his case, there was so, before he changed, uh, Otto had so much resentment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had to do with his, his wife dying uh, prematurely and some circumstances around that, don't want to give the movie away if you haven't seen it, but that resentment was controlling his life. There were grudges. There was a, a, a disruption in, in a very important long-term relationship with a neighbor. They'd been such good friends, and 
just him, his difficulty forgiving. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot there that characterizes a, a very unhealthy one. Mm-hmm. But then you see how inside he's really has a great heart. And, and then you see that come out and you see him change. Mm-hmm. And so that part's inspiring. But yeah, it's difficult for all of us, for, for you listening and your personality type, when you see someone who is of your type and they're in some stress or they're in the unhealthy regions of their type, uh, that's hard. It's like, oh, ah, we just, we, we wince at that. We don't want to be like that. We're all resisting that, that inner root sin, the inner uh, dysfunction and pain and stress. And in fact, our personalities, so much of what we, what personality actually is, is our defense mechanisms and our coping patterns for how we deal with pain and, and problems and sin and it, but it's unconscious, it's, it's habitual. And so that's the power of the Enneagram and why we've really leaned to the, into this is one of our tools that we use in soul shepherding that our spiritual directors and coaches use to help people. It's been so helpful for us personally, so helpful in our ministry to people and in our Soul Shepherding Institute where we go on a two-year journey with people and go real deep in Jesus and in emotional and spiritual health as a community. And so the Enneagram has been one of the tools that we've found to be Super helpful. So that's why we wrote a book on it. That's why we wrote Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. And there was so much we couldn't fit in the book that we've got some supplemental tools with the Enneagram and Emotions video course that we've told you about. Uh, And then this new resource that we've just begun telling you about, uh, Your Enneagram Map. And you can get the video course today. You can get the Your Enneagram Map today. And Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith will be released uh, September 5th. In fact, if you pre-order, you're going to get it sometime in August. So, uh, and if you're listening to this podcast later, we're we're in the year 2023 right now. This amazing thing about these podcasts, <laughs> we got a faithful group. They're listening. You know, you're listening every week, and uh, there's a bunch of you, and then there's but there's other people are listening at different times. And, and yeah, so, at one of my retreats lately, it was interesting. Somebody had just found our podcast recently, and it started the beginning. And yeah, it was working yeah. working them all through. So the one she was listening to, we'd recorded seven years ago. Yeah. So was interesting about that how it's not necessarily all time sensitive but yeah so if you're in the year 2030 yeah <laughs> we're, we're in 2023 right now i don't know what's changed in the world but hopefully you can apply it anyway we've got this book we're healthy feelings for having faith so that's what well, we're talking souls about souls so. are eternal yeah. and this is soul work and that's why it's been so helpful to us as it's opened and expanded our souls to more of god's grace and this understanding uh, and this growth in self-awareness and where we miss God's love and grace because we're depending upon our personality. So in the Enneagram map, what we put in there uniquely is our map of where each type tends to go when we are in stress and we're seeking comfort or we're trying to take care of ourselves in a way that we think is going to give us life, give us help, give us comfort. And for you, the Enneagram One, your map says that you would go, ones go to the four for that false sense of comfort or consolation. And then the map shows for each type a number that actually, as they grow in health, as they grow in grace, as they grow in more dependency on God, they begin to take on the the best qualities, the virtues of another number. And for the one, it's the seven. As you grow in grace, as you relax to receive more of God's love, peace, and joy, and to depend upon him more, you begin to look more free and spontaneous and joyful and fun and light 
like a healthy seven can look. So that's your map. But let's talk about that more specifically. How has understanding that you have what's called in the Enneagram map, a line to the four and a line to the seven. These are our ways of understanding what you might be drawn towards when you're trying to take care of yourself and what it might look like for you when you're more healthy and more redeemed through the work of the spirit. In yeah. So these are subsidiary personalities. And so the idea is that once you find your best fitting type of the nine personality types on the Enneagram, then you know your map and it includes this, your stress type, your growth type, but also uh, one or two wings. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that everybody has three or four subsidiary personality types that under they're sort of um, alternatives. And in the best case scenario, these are great options for how to function, how to relate, how to be in different situations. Because part of what helps us to be healthy and loving in our Enneagram type is self-awareness, uh, and then a breadth of personality rather than being locked into a very narrow, constricted mode of being within our type that we're unconscious about and reacting with habits to have this become conscious and then to be, have options within a wing I can function in or a growth type I can function in uh, and then the stress type that I want to be careful about. So w- there's we're understanding more than my own type, but types that my type especially has a relationship to. And this is the, the power of the Enneagram theory is these dynamics, these patterns of interaction between the numbers, between the numbers within myself and my type, but then also my relationship with other people who are different types. Yeah. So it's very relational. And it's, as you hear numbers, I want you guys to realize that these are just labels. The numbers are just labels to help you understand. It's not anything like super mystical with any kind of mathematical equations or number type things like that. It's, it's, the numbers are just labels to help us to You mean identifiers. Identify. The, yes, identifiers. That's a much better word. It's not, yeah. We're not labeling people. But we're, yeah. it's a theme, yes. being an even better word. It's yeah. a theme, the personality. Mm-hmm. So there's nine numbers. Each number has a name. And yeah. we, we give those names uh, in our bo- all of our books and resources on the Enneagram and emotions. Yeah. Also, you wrote the your Enneagram map as a guide. It has many practical helps in it. It shows you your lines, your map, and your wings. Uh, or each person, it will show them what their wings are. And it'll show them what their lines or their unique map is for their type. But it also helps people who maybe haven't landed on their type and are struggling between maybe two different types of types. It helps them to identify and have a little bit more clarity some of the differences between some of the most common types that can mistype with each other. Because a lot of the types look very similar on the surface, but because so much of the Enneagram is based on our underlying unconscious dynamics, oftentimes we need help distinguishing sometimes between two numbers. And we have a free Enneagram and Emotions assessment that we created, and it's on our website. Just go to soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram, and you'll see all of the Enneagram resources that we've created most especially our book healthy feelings thriving faith but you'll give a link to that free assessment and so each of those questions are asking you about your emotions your experiences your needs 
in order to help you understand your type. Uh, and then we give you the results back for all nine of the types to help you differentiate between, well, which is my best fitting type and then which is likely to be my wing. Uh, and then you can begin to work with this map. Okay, so let's talk about your map as a type one and how has- Which we call the reformer. And how has understanding this map that you have aligned to the four and you have aligned to the seven, how is that helpful to you? Well, first of all, getting to know the Enneagram seven, which is called the enthusiast, based on the understanding that, well, in my best self as an Enneagram one reformer, I take on some of the traits of a seven that is happy, spontaneous, uh, engaging, uh, able to say good enough, not uh, driven to perfectionism, uh, not uh, judging and getting constricted, not uh, driven by resentments, uh, but instead sevens in unhealth are driven by excessive pleasure-seeking. That is a thing that as a one I'm least likely to do because ones are very self-denying. They're very ascetic. They're very much sacrificed to for, for the doing what's right, doing what's going to be best and improving things and uh, achieving the, the goal, that, that sort of a thing. And so when I get balanced by saying, well, wait a minute, what would be fun? What would make me happy? What would, what would make other people happy? That balances me out. And so I need that. Yeah. So I always enjoy, one of the things I enjoy about being together with our grandchildren is I see some of that seven come out in you. Some of the fun, some of the playfulness, some of the joy. You you become more relaxed and less serious. You're able to just be spontaneous and joyful. Yesterday at our our daughter's house, you were pushing the grandkids on the swings and the, you were you came up with some term papa papa boosters papa boosters yeah so give them a were, big push on the swing yeah. they love that oh, they i want love, a papa booster yeah yeah i love your papa boosters that's just one example where you're out there in the swing playing with them interacting with them coming up with this papa booster and it's your seven you're in your seven and it's fun everybody enjoys that coming out of you you're not t- trying to teach them how to properly swing or how to do it right or you're not in in uh, at all locked up with any kind of perfectionism. You're just joyful in the moment. You're in the fullness of that spontaneity. Yeah, yeah. and so I I learned that from the Enneagram, and then I reviewed my life, and I, I realized, wow, my best friends and spiritual mentors, a number of them have been Enneagram 7s before I even knew about the Enneagram. And it's like intuitively, and by the Holy Spirit, I was gravitating towards this personality type that had the, the joy and the childlikeness and the adventure spirit that I needed and because that helps me be my best self. It helps me relax. And, so, and then I realized, well, yes, I've been on a journey as a teacher and as a speaker. I, I used to like stand behind the lectern and I had all my notes and we were going to cover all those notes <laughs> and I was going to teach every one of those principles and, and I wasn't going to let anybody fall asleep on me. I was going to give it to them and help them learn it and make them learn it. If they and all to. your earnestness, all your good intention there. Yeah. And, and being earnest is good. If you're an Enneagram one uh, or in relationship with an Enneagram one, the earnestness of a one is a, an incredible thing to behold. But it's a strength that when overplayed, it can be a hard, bitter medicine to swallow. <laughs> it's just too much work and no play and too much like moral correctness and 
perfectionism that puts pressure, even shame on people. And so I learned that when I incorporated the strengths of a seven into my work as a teacher, uh, into my ministry and into everything, it's like a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And, and so ones have a lot of medicine. They have a lot of things to help, help people be healthy. You know, when we were first married, I used to have dreams where I was married to two bills. I was married to the seven bill that I fell in love with and came to know. And then I was married to the one bill who I was recognizing had a lot of strong ideals and principles and um, was a, a really hard worker and in my dream, it was I was trying to understand these two bills that I was married to, and the Enneagram really helped me understand that better. I didn't get the understanding of that through the Enneagram until way, way later. That would have helped me, I think, integrate my experience of you a little sooner. So when was the last time you had that dream? Well, it's been a long time, thankfully. <laughs> so there's been some integration. There's been yeah. the integration, Thank yes, in you and me. <laughs> And then let's talk about your line to the four. I'm actually grateful for your line to the four because I think it's really helpful for our growth in emotional intimacy and our connection there. So we share that you have a line to the four. We'll talk about that in the next podcast. That's your growth line, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. Your, your growth line is my stress line. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't think it's only because of that, that it's helped us grow in intimacy. I think it's also because the four is authentic mm-hmm. and the four is emotionally aware and expressive of their emotion well the expressive they have to learn a little bit more but but as you go to the four a son, the last frontier on our map is when we go to the healthy parts of the number that's our stress number and so for you as a one the four is your where you go for false comfort and stress but i see you as you have grown over the years go to the healthy four in ways that really help our intimacy. And that's your emotional awareness and honesty. Yeah, fours are really deep and that's oftentimes they are artistic or creative in some way, not only with like art and music, but it could be with cars or uh, fashion. And with you, it's writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, so one of the things I saw was is that when I was younger as a writer, I pushed into the four, or I slid into the four actually, without having this map. And I was trying too hard to be creative and to be special, Mm -hmm. coming out of stress. And in retrospect, I realized, well, that had a, a, like a toxic integration with my one ideals and perfectionism that is like has a, like a narcissistic flavor to it. And so that's the, the gutter line for the one to the four is like an unhealth and it's like we, we we try to be special we want more attention we struggle with envy of other people who are more special than we are we can swirl in self-pity because things aren't the way they need to be the way they should be and so to understand a one you need to understand that well there's a lot of self-criticism going on there and that self-criticism relates to this inner self-judging and shaming that the 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 stress line of the four accentuates that. And so becoming aware of that and then learning to, instead of wallow in that or be paralyzed in that and get into a a melancholy mood, fours really struggle with negative moods more than other types. I mean, any type can, but it's especially a problem for fours. 
Because ironically, the Enneagram is based on the idea that we need God's presence to be a healthy personality. We need to be in sync with God's presence. And it's because we disconnect from God and from God's grace and God's love and God's truth that we get unhealthy and unloving in our personality types. And so every type is disconnected from their emotion uh, for the most part because there's so much that's unconscious. But with the four, it's interesting because while that's true of the four, it's also true that they're like too much in their emotion. They're sinking in their emotion and and they're not acting when when they're not not healthy. So as an unhealthy one or a one in stress, I can go into that space and get swirl in, in shame. And when you go to the four in unhealth, it actually increases the the resentment. Right. It increases is, the unhealth of the four. Mm-hmm. That's the way it works. And that's illustrating the dynamic. The unhealth of the one. So we're not just talking to Enneagram ones right now that are like me. We're talking to all nine types. And we're saying that you have a stress line. And if you want to understand the power of the Enneagram, you need to learn this map. And we talk to, we've been talking to people. For, we've known the Enneagram for almost 20 years now. And we've, lots of people have been talking to us about it find it helpful, uh, ask us to speak in their church and, and uh, do podcasts on, on their, in their ministry. And for years we've been doing that. That's why we finally wrote a book on it. But so many of the people that we talk to, they, they think they know the Enneagram. They, they know it a little bit, but they don't know the map. Mm-hmm. Or they've learned a different theory. There are different theories on how the Enneagram can help you, and they all have some value. So we follow the traditional theory with the Enneagram mapping of the stress line and the growth line. Uh, we found that to be most helpful. So as I've done work with my self-awareness and seeking empathy for my brokenness as a one and in my stress line to the four, I've been able to do what you said, Christy, and find what we call the, the last frontier of growth is actually the healthy side of your stress line. It's like, wow, if you can tap into that, that's like an amazing thing because normally that number you go in the unhealth. And so I've, I've learned through receiving empathy, I've learned to be self-aware and emotionally honest. And that, 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 was a, that was a big training for me because I was trained to stay out of my emotions. Uh, the defense mechanism for the Enneagram One, we, we talk about the defense mechanisms in Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, our, our, our book on the Enneagram. And the defense mechanism for the One is reaction formation. And it's the unconscious coping pattern of doing and thinking and feeling the opposite of what I really feel on the inside. And so ones can just switch from the negative to the positive, like just stepping into another room. And while there might be something about that that brings relief or helps people be happier to be around someone that's in a happy mood, but it's not dealing with the negative when it's a reaction formation because it's based on denying what's negative. But ones know that when they focus on what's negative, it kicks into perfectionism, resentment, and then sliding down the gutter to the unhealthy four and self-pity and envy and all that. And so sometimes ones can be really strong, like switch over into the seven in a way that's actually not so healthy. It's a denial and it's not really being emotionally honest. Yeah, and so the key to that is, is seeking empathy. And this this is our big emphasis with uh, the Enneagram. That's why we talk about the Enneagram and emotions because we're understanding personality types through the emotions. Uh, the emotions are the window to your soul, the window to your personality. And so uh, for me, learning to be healthy in the four has been a really big deal because 
I have learned from that place to be a wounded healer for others. And that when I'm emotionally honest, rather than putting myself under judgment for all of my imperfections, that emotional honesty is a grace to other people. Well, the other thing that's been good about it is when you used to go to the fore in unhealth, you used to go into a, an isolation and a withdrawal from people. And I couldn't reach you there. And it was it was lonely for me, and it was sad for me. And as you have grown in redemption and receiving more of God's grace, and as you've learned to express your emotions to me and ask for and receive and agree with empathy, you don't get stuck there, and you don't withdraw into isolation and moodiness. Instead, you're able to share and articulate what you're feeling, receive empathy, and return to joy the higher levels of the seven. Yeah, I have found that empathy from someone who has grace to give, who is emotionally honest himself, who will make time to listen, empathy is, is the best way to return to joy. And so for me as a one, to get out of perfectionism, resentment, and, and over overworking, overthinking, uh, is to talk about how I feel with somebody who has empathy to give. Uh, and then I can return to joy in a natural way, an authentic way, rather than like the reaction formation that's uh, based in denial. So, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your empathy for us. We thank you for this understanding of the way that each of us are tempted to go on our own and to try to cope on our own and the ways that even unconscious sin drives us away from you and other people. And so, Lord, we, we ask that you would continue to reveal, to wake us up to these unconscious sin patterns in our lives and instead enable us to open, to receive more of your love, more of your grace, and to grow in the virtues of a life connected to you. As we come to understand this helpful tool that you've given us, we thank you for it. We ask that you continue to speak to us and teaching us to enable us to turn to you and grow in wholeness and health and holiness in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 